0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm the Bishop of the Bird, Nick, and with me, as always... Gator. And today, we are going to be smoking a cigar that Jeff actually provided for us. I did. Yeah, I know. i got to pay you back every once in a while. Every once in a while, you come along with a cigar. Not often, but this is a good one. Yeah. So, today, we're going to be smoking the Crown Heads Court Reserve 18. We're going to be smoking the Sublime Size, which is a 6x54 Toro. This cigar features a um, Mexican San Andreas Maduro wrapper, a Ecuadorian binder, and Nicaraguan filler. So if I'm not mistaken, they've only made 150,000 of these total. In 20-count boxes, yes. It is a it is a limited cigar. And
1: here we are with two of them. And how did you get those two? Riverman Cigar Company. Boom. St. Louis, Missouri. Our man Thank Dan. Thank you, Dan. Coming through with the good stuff. Oh, so, yeah. Anyway,
0: um... Now that you've brought up Riverman Cigar Company, maybe it's time that we go ahead and start prepping the cigars. Which brings us to the official cutting, which is brought to you by Riverman Cigar Company of Crestwood, Missouri.
1: Let me get mine out of the cellophane.
0: Uh. Anyway, our man Dan over there at Riverman. He's really uh, in there. He's a great shop with a great variety of cigars. Everything for every budget, from $3 to a $100 got it um, you know he's he's done a lot of bundle sales throughout the covid situation and you know dan works hard to bring the best in um affordable sticks that he can oh absolutely you know, he 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 it's one of those things that he is constantly talking with his reps that come through saying you know hey i need something affordable for everybody coming through and you know what have you got what have you got that's the good stuff that you can you can provide for me and
1: And he comes through with that too. He
0: does come through with that. He's got a couple of different bundles over there that are really good. He's got that three x three, yep. which is a Davidoff product. Um it's He's it's, got the Alec
1: Bradley exactly got yeah. That,
0: uh, yeah, exactly. I mean that, and you and I have both smoked quite a bit of those, those Alec Bradley bundle oh, cigars. Absolutely. So, and he's got a couple others. I mean I think he's got um he's got a couple other bundle cigars over there that are really, really good. So you know, like I said, he's got something for every budget from three dollars all the way up to hundred dollars with the Steve Saka unicorn. Well you know? and he's so. got
1: another one right now. Now he's selling single sticks of this, but it's a Davidoff for like three ninety five. Well there you I go. I tried one the other day, good stick, very you know, very solid smoke. Nice, yeah. nice. Well, Dan over there at Riverman,
0: he not only does uh sales in store, um people can sit outside on his uh fifteen hundred square foot covered patio off the front. It's ginormous. Bring your own lawn chair and sit outside and enjoy the weather and the cigars. BYOC. But but he also does mail order. So if you're in an area where maybe your brick and mortar hasn't reopened, maybe you live in an area that you don't have a brick and mortar, you can always reach out to Dan at Riverman and give him a uh, order, and he'll get that shipped to you right away. And it's a good way for you to support a brick and mortar store um, because it's really important. Jeff and I really believe in the brick-and-mortar Well, and we're small business owners, and we get it. So. So
1: we need all the support we can get, you know, to stay alive and do the services we provide in our towns, and it's no different with Dan over there at Riverman. Exactly. So if you live in St. Louis, visit Riverman Cigar Company in Crestwood. And if you
0: don't live in St. Louis, visit Riverman when you're in St. Louis, or give them a ring and place a mail order. So with that, it's time that we go ahead and the cigar it was impressive hey you know you really like that deep v cutter i'm a professional i do it's 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 my sv cutter i like the the deep v side of it i mean the the straight cut is good for some cigars i typically use
1: it for like littler cigars you yeah. know but um i like the deep v there you go i'm again bjorn just so you know eyes are on eyes are on the cutter Bjorn. i'm using the I'm using your cutter there, Bjorn. So. Eyes are
0: on the cutter.
1: It will be a matter of time till I lose it again, but right now it's in hand. It is in hand.
0: So, Jeff, cold draw. What are you getting on the cold draw?
1: Okay, now for full disclosure, I did eat some hot wings prior to this, so it may mess me up. But I'm getting a lot of sweetness.
0: Mmm. There's maybe a
1: little little bit of sweetness. Hmm. What is that? Let me do the cold retro and see if that brings it out yeah i don't know
0: it's just it's a very I'm not getting a lot of flavor off the cold draw dried cherries okay
1: well i'll, I'll try, try that again with dried cherries in your mind see if you get that okay I, you know eh.
0: i mean there's a little hint of sweetness i don't i don't know and maybe that you know, again with the hot wings that yeah. i just had that uh, may have that May, out my palate. may have blown out your palate, but
1: exactly. all I'm tasting is sweetness. Okay. That may be because I can't taste anything else. But all right then, well, because all my savory is just shot to hell. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and light my cigar. Yeah, it's really dried cherries on that cold retro hail. I'm not. My lighter is acting weird today. It may have something to do with the barometric pressure.
0: No, I think it has something to do with the uh, little adjustable wheel on the bottom. And the problem is, it's just light enough outside that I can't see the flame.
1: So <laughs> you, you burn your ass I right know, there. All right. I've been looking forward to this stick.
0: Yeah, you bought these over there, and Jeff, uh, you know, he was nice enough to uh, offer them up for the purposes of smoking on the show.
1: That's why I got two. I mean, I'm shocked, but I'll take it. Well, I okay, I got them for somebody else, but they didn't smoke it, so you get it. Mm. <laughs> well, God, that tickled me. Well, no, now, Nick. now we know the truth. No, Nick, I bought it for you. Now we know the truth. But I have to be hurtful when I can.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, you got a cool interview coming up today. I do, and we'll
0: get to that in a moment. But uh, what are your first thoughts on the uh, initial thoughts on the cigar? There,
1: well, it's got a good flavor to it. Do You like that? Putting
0: off a lot of smoke. It is putting off a lot of smoke. Oh, man. There is some pepper. Yeah. There is some pepper to the it's flavor. Ki- it's
1: almost kind of, uh, I'm getting a wood flavor, like a... Like a woodsy yeah, kind of thing. Like, uh, a oak, like yeah, like maybe an oak. Yeah. Like oak cask kind of thing.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good cigar so far. It's, it's, like I said, it's got some pepper to it. Coffee. I don't know about coffee. I'm tasting
1: coffee. Let me retrohale. Oh, lord. Yeah, I don't I'm afraid of this retro hail. I don't know. Woo. Oh my. Oh god. I just I, blew out the microphone. I was saying hey, okay. Yeah, maybe we'll take that out cuz that's going to blow out everybody's speakers. Woo, man. That uh that's pepper. <laughs> oh
0: man. Yep. There is there is some pepper on that retro hail there. Yet again that had oh. smoke
1: come out of every orifice with that retro hail. Oh, Oh my! There's literally smoke rolling out of your uh, headphones. Oh my! Came out your ears, your nose, oh mouth. Oh my! You might have crapped some smoke in that one. It's very possible. Man, Ooh, man, <laughs> it's yeah. Pepper. There's
0: there's some pepper on that
1: retro hail, mm. but there you go. So interesting. Yeah, you know you're smoking a cigar. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely know it's you're smoking. Good stick, and you know, but yeah. All kidding aside, I did get this for you, just mm. for you. Okay. Well, you know why? It's because of care.
0: I appreciate that. I mean, you know, one cigar making up for all the cigars I bring you. It's uh, uh, it, it evens out. Okay.
1: It all comes out in the wash. I, I'm not quite, all right, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to let it go. Hey, by the way, I have a story to tell you. Oh, God. After your interview. So a little something to hang on for through the interview here. Oh, God. I got a story to tell. Well, And it's from my childhood. Oh, Actually, God. when I was 17. Yeah. Oh, well, those are always fun. Well, and we're gonna have the
0: new and improved Ask the Boys segment here coming up. You as took well. this up a notch. You know, I did. I took this up a notch. We're gonna have the new and improved Ask the Boys segment coming up.
1: Nick has so been putting in the
0: man hours. I wanna I wanna enhance the show. And so it's like how do we how do we enhance the show? Well, listener interaction. Listener interaction. So anyway, we'll get to that in a bit. But first, all right, guys. I have been very honest Nick's a nerd. About my love of comic books.
1: A ginormous geek. I have been reading
0: comic books for a very, very long time and I have a very extensive large collection, as Jeff has made fun of me about on the show before. He could build a fort out of them. Anyway. The boxes, yes. The point remains that one of the comic book artists that I uh that I was very familiar with from Growing up, he uh, his name is Graham Nolan, and Graham Nolan did the artwork. He's best known, I would argue, for his time on Detective Comics featuring Batman back in the in the nineties. And he he is the co creator of Bane, the car- the villain Bane. Yep. Um, there's a and and but he's since gone on to do a number of independent work that.
1: Can, can we ask him about that uh, video that's online where it's Batman and bane and no the the fake no, no with the girl that no we're gonna we're gonna Stab- in the stabbing stop that we can't talk no, about we're, that. that
0: no we're gonna we're gonna skip that but anyway Please. so no um so anyway <laughs> we spoke with guys if you don't know what i'm talking about look it up so so the other thing is graham, funny. graham nolan is a cigar lover yes he is and i follow him on social media and he's he... now let me ask you do you follow him for comic books or cigars I followed him for comic books. Okay. And in the process of doing so, found out that he loves cigars. Oh, that's cool. And he's he's a big cigar smoker. And it's one of those things that I figured, you know what? This is a good opportunity for two of my passions to collide into a fun interview. So we now have an interview that Jeff and I recorded earlier with Graham Nolan. And we're going to talk to him about comics and cigars and all kinds of fun stuff. So... Do you want to just go ahead and jump into the interview? let We jump right in. All right, go ahead. This is our interview with Graham Nolan. Well, our guest today is Graham Nolan. And some folks, if you're listening to this and you're a cigar nerd, you may n- may not quite be as familiar with Graham Nolan as I am. But Graham Nolan is a uh, a wonderful comic book artist that i grew up you know reading uh books that he did the art for um a lot of batman books um that he was involved with and since then he's been involved with a lot of other projects i just picked up one of his books uh monster island and so i just want to introduce graham nolan who also is a cigar smoker how are you graham i'm doing good thank you for having me on your show oh thank you for coming on so first of all I, there's so many different areas that I'd like to get into, but but we're just going to go ahead and start with cigars since that's what you know my listeners are typically used to. So so yeah, sure. You smoke you smoke your fair share of cigars there. Yes, sir. So yeah, I
2: belong to the Buffalo Cigar Club up here, and uh, we have a lounge, and uh, I buy, buy all my sticks up there, and uh, you know meet friends up there. They got a, a bar, and it's, it's
1: fantastic. Now is that in Buffalo, New York? yeah yep there you go fantastic and yeah s-
0: supporting the brick and mortar that's that's what we like Amen. to hear too so that's great so um how did you get into cigars
2: a friend of mine had ordered a bunch of cubans after they had opened it up and and we could get cubans here mm-hmm. uh so he, he had a bunch of cuban cigars and we lit them up uh on his patio one day and i was like oh this is fun and and uh i was in a golf tournament with some friends and they had some cigars one time and they say hey you know, let's light up some sticks i'm like oh OK. And, you know, I just sort of fell into it after that, from that, you know, uh-huh. uh, I just I just like the the uh, quietness of it, the the um, contemplativeness of it, where you sit and you make time for a cigar because, you know, it takes a while. You know, even a shorty, you know, you, you got you got to get, you know, 45 minutes of time there and you and, and it's great. I, I just love being able to just sit and contemplate. And especially if you're with a friend who's doing it too, then, you know, then you have the conviviality of the conversation and usually a, a nice stiff bourbon too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, and, and honestly, that's how it was for me too, is, is Jeff introduced me to cigars. And what happened was he and I both own newspapers. And so it's a lot of rush, 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 go, go, go. And the you're right, the act of sitting and smoking a cigar, it forces you to sit down and chill out and relax for at least an hour. I mean, because I tend to smoke smoke Toros and uh, I, you know, I go as high as like a 60 ring gauge, but I don't go past that for the most part. And yeah, I don't like the big fat ones either. You get past a 60. I mean, it's just it's too much. But that's what she said. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, it, so it forces you to just chill out, relax, let the world pass you by for a little while and and decompress. Right. So. Mm-hmm. So, so what cigars do you enjoy? Uh two of my favorite brands are
2: uh Rocky Patel mm-hmm. and uh, Arturo Fuente.
0: Mm. Uh
2: I really like both uh, both of them. Uh AJ Fernandez is another one whose stuff I really like. Um trying to think you know, those, those would be my go-tos. I, 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 tend to like the darker leaf too, the Madeira, uh, uh, leaf. Uh, there's, there's a, a little sweetness sometimes in that leaf, yeah. which I really like, you know, on the wrapper. So that's what I tend to go to, but you know, I'll just take anything anybody shows in front of me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: sounds a lot like gator. Here, yes, it so. really does. Yeah. yeah that's me but, doing uh, tea. Well,
2: that's yeah. awesome. Have you... I, I like to try new stuff though, but you know, when you're buying decent cigars, you know you're looking at you know a good 11 dollars mm-hmm. for a cigar. So you know you want to know that you're getting a good one. Um, I had one the other day. It was an AJ Fernandez. I can't remember. I I, I saved the band on it because I've got this uh, the cigar club that I'm part of uh, gave me this little booklet. So you could put the you could paste the the wrappers in there and then you know grade it and write it and write about the, the cigar. Oh, cool! That's awesome. It, it, this particular one um, was very, very bitter. As you got down to the, as you got down to it, you know, it was like whatever the liquid that was coming around my lips, it was like so freaking bitter. Oh. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I don't know if it was the cigar or how I smoked it or maybe I uh, you know I burnt it when I was lighting it. I don't know, but it was.
1: And- I didn't like that. Graham, a little trick that I'll do sometimes, and I don't know—I don't know if this works or I just think it works—but I'll actually do a secondary cut and get rid of that tar buildup at the end of the cigar, and then it seems to bring it back to life a little bit for me. Oh. Ah. yeah, just oh, a little so, trick so there for you, you.
2: Cut the burnt end.
1: Yep, I'll cut. Oh no, I'll actually cut the uh, end I'm smoking, but take another maybe quarter inch off, and it seems to get rid of that tar buildup. Oh, so off the off the off the cap. Yep, off the yeah. cap. Okay. Interesting. So a little, little trick to try if that happens to you again. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, if I'm not enjoying it, I, what, what do I got to lose, you know? Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and that's the thing. Typically with cigars that I'm not enjoying, if I'm not if I'm not digging it, either with flavor or maybe construction is rough or something like that, I'll just toss it and light up something else. I know yeah. that there is the cost associated with it, and I hate wasting the money, but on the flip side, I look at it and I'm like, you know, life's just too short and to I, suffer through a bad cigar, you know? On
1: the other hand, I'm cheap, but I will just power through.
0: That's me. I'll yep. power through. There you go. There you go. go. Here you go. Well, yeah, try that I'll, out. Let I'll, me know,
1: let I me know had, what you I had think.
2: One, uh, I had one uh, that obviously had dried out, because as I lit it, this was, uh, again, this was another AJ Fernandez, uh, and, but it was a thicker one. I can't remember what the gauge was on it. Uh, I was at a convention in Rhode Island, and I went outside to have this sucker, and I fought like hell for this thing. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean the, the, the things, you know, the, the, the tip that the, where the ash is coming was like splaying out, oh, man. like yeah, it was really splaying and splitting and stuff. And I was having to suck on this thing so hard; it was terrible. It was a, uh, I really worked hard on that cigar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, and that's just too much work. I just, you know, no, I just tend yeah. to, not, yeah. I, yeah, I've got that a brand. The only
2: I was, I was on the road, so I took it with me. And, you know, I, I didn't really have a choice, so I had to kind of muscle
1: through. Smoke what you got. Uh, I
0: get you. I
2: get So
1: you. I've got a brand for you to try and introduce to your cigar club. And full disclosure, we're actually kind of partnered up with them. But if you ever make it down to New York, there is a cigar company in New York called Martinez Cigars.
2: Mm -hmm. I I know know, Martinez.
1: Okay, good deal. And, yeah, we've gotten Mm -hmm. to know the folks there really well. They're actually – I'll throw a plug in for us. They're actually working on the Gator and the Bishop uh, Cigar Pulpit Cigars for us as we speak. Oh, cool! So yes. you'll you'll get cool. to smoke our cigars. Mine's mine's more of a Connecticut. I think uh, Nick's is probably going to be more in your palate range. But uh, yeah, give them a try and let us know what you think when they come out. Yeah, definitely. We'll get definitely. some.
0: We'll get some sent your way. How's that sound? We'll get some. Excellent. They should be ready sometime a, in August. We have a
2: we have a guy here at at the cigar club um, from uh, I think he's from Nicaragua. He's actually originally he's Cuban. Uh, he he played baseball and stuff like that. And he became a professional cigar roller in New York City, and he's now in Buffalo. Uh, and it's uh, and his name is uh, uh, Martinez also, and he he hand rolls cigars at the club, and they Very are cool. just freaking outstanding. That's awesome. You know he'll do uh, he'll do barbershop poles yeah. too, which are just amazing.
0: I, that would be a lot of fun. That's to a watch challenge too. Roll that. Yeah. yeah. Well. I so, know
1: Nick wants to get into comic books. I was going to
0: say, I want to get into comic books. so <laughs> It's time so, to nerd out. So, yeah. So, obviously, um, you, you've been around for a while. When did – how did you – 37 bre- years. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How did you break into comic books?
2: Uh, I broke in through the back door because uh, a teacher of mine at the Joe Kubert School was the talent coordinator at DC Comics. And he bought uh, two of my class assignments for um, – a book that he was editing called new talent showcase at DC. So that, that's sort of how I broke in really. this was
0: my first professional sales. Wow. So let's back up a little bit further. If you're going to the Joe Kubert school of art, you obviously were, that was the path you wanted to go. So, yeah. so how did you, where, where did you determine in your life? This is what I want to do. I want to draw comic books.
2: I did it when I was 12 years old, when my sixth grade teacher brought in a stack of comics for the kids to read at recess, mm. and I, you know, I found the stack and I started. there was a Justice League comic in there, and uh, I, I'd been exposed to comics throughout the years, you know, but I wasn't really like uh, zeroed in on them yet. But that's when I got zeroed in in sixth grade when I was twelve years old.
0: My first comic was Batman four twenty three. It had a Todd McFarlane cover. Uh, he's Batman standing on the on the cliff with. Holding like a woman in the capes, but you know, with the red background and everything. I don't know if you're remotely familiar at all, but that. Yeah, I remember. That that was was, that was that was my first comic, and then from there, it just kind of took off. And so, so needless to say, I've I've been very focused in on Batman a lot, you know, throughout my collecting uh, Mm -hmm. years. And so, uh, needless to say, I'm very familiar with your work on Detective Comics, and one of the. one of the things that I think a lot of people would probably know you best for is during your run, you did um, artwork for um, Detective Comics during the the Nightfall and Night Quest storyline, which was you know the the uh, appearance of Bane. Mm-hmm. And so, so you are... well,
2: the... I I created Bane.
0: Yeah, I was to say you are the creator of yeah. Bane. Yeah, you, uh, you yeah,
2: tr- Chuck Dixon and I.
0: Yeah. So, so can you tell us a little bit about? Um, kind of what goes into creating what has turned into, you know, a a very prominent member of of a long-established historical figure's rogues gallery. And then kind of from there, you know, what it's been like to see this character just move on past, you know, like going into animation and movies and everything like that. Well, Bane came
2: about uh, as a story need. Uh, At the time, the Punisher and Wolverine were really popular. And people were saying to Denny O'Neill, the editor of the Bat group, that, you know, Batman needed to kill his villains because really he's responsible for all these deaths by the Joker because he doesn't kill. Them. And Denny said, well, that's a really bad idea. Let's do a story and show them why that's a bad idea. And so we were, the, the idea was to take Bruce Wayne out and put in Asriel as a meaner, more vicious Batman. Uh, but there was nobody in Batman's rogue, rogues gallery to do that. So we had to create one out of whole cloth. And then, so we wanted to use the Venom, uh, which was like a super steroid that Denny had come up with for a previous story. Uh, and then Chuck came up with the idea of sort of, um, you know, the man in the iron mask, uh, type of thing. Uh, a a guy who's born into prison, uh, to serve his father's sentence. And then, you know, when when it came time to design the character, the other aspect of him, he was an evil Doc Savage, uh, so I knew he was going to be this big muscle guy. Uh, so I, I, I looked towards a Mexican luchador uh, inspiration for the costuming because I figured if this guy was grew up in that area and he was going to costume himself, what would he be exposed to? And so I determined that's what it would be. So that was the basis of his his look.
0: Now I can definitely see that with the with the mask and the the kind of uh, tank top. You know, and everything going on, so
2: yeah, the single- a wrestling singlet. yeah, yeah,
0: so I can definitely see that, so then, like I said, you know, obviously that storyline was it's like the big Batman storyline of of the of that part of the nineties, and I mean even going forward, I mean, you know you look back at that period of time in d c comics, you have Death of Superman and you have nightfall and and so it's it's you know really important there, and so what's it been like to see? Bane as a character continue on and like I said, go into animation and and movies and that sort of thing.
2: Well, it's 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 really cool. I mean, when we came up with Bane, we knew he'd be popular for the story, but we didn't. You always hope that anything you create is going to you know go on to other things, uh, but more than likely than not, it, it doesn't. So for Bane, it, it, the it just took off. You know, it became a cultural phenomenon uh, that just kept building. You know. Uh, it first in the animated series was his first, um, non-comics, uh, appearance in, in, all, uh, other media. Uh, and then, I don't know about 10, 15 years later when they stuck him in, um, uh, Arkham Asylum video game, that's when it really took off because it exposed Bane. It's actually probably more than that, more, more time past that than that, but it exposed an entire new generation to who this character was. And that's when it really, really took off. And, um, And became, you know, part of uh, the Batman lore.
0: Now, the other area of your career that I wanted to touch on is some of your, not necessarily your mainstream DC, you know, kind of work, but but you did um, a, a run of, and correct me if I'm wrong if you're still doing it, but The Phantom you do the newspaper stri- or did the newspaper strips of the phantom mm-hmm. what I, mean, I did so that's another very historical long-standing character that that you took over there what's what was that like that was
2: funny because um i had uh, uh written a book called monster island
0: and originally I, I was thinking want to of you touch on I, I definitely want oh, to touch okay. on that in a minute yeah so so well, yeah i'm sorry I, to interrupt
2: Oh, well, that's okay um Originally, I was thinking of doing Monster Island as an adventure strip in newspapers. And, you know, I sent it out to various syndicates and stuff, uh, trying to get somebody interested. And they all came back saying, We love this, but we cannot sell a continuity strip anymore. They're just dead to newspapers. And newspapers are now dead, too. So, <laughs> but this
1: was, this that, was back that, in That hurts since we're both journalists. So, <laughs> 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 ours are still very much Boy, alive.
2: Guys, know how hard it is oh you know, absolutely and, and, and,
0: but, and to his point though a continuity dailies, strip, yeah i mean that's the thing we both own weekly newspapers mm-hmm. so needless to say a continuity strip would take forever to get a story done in a weekly newspaper True. yep so yeah
2: particularly if it was just a single panel precisely if it was a week if it was a weekly paper and you did it as like a sunday uh a sunday insert in every week that could be really cool yeah, yeah. but but anyway. be that as a may. You know, uh, I got a call from King Features saying, you know what, we love it, we can't use it. However, we have an opening on one of our other strips, Rex Morgan MD. Okay. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, well, I wasn't really interested because Rex was being published in my newspaper and it sucked. <laughs> and, but, but I but it, it, it had been around since 1948. And I figured there had to be a reason for that. So I said, send me copies of this strip in its heyday. So, you know, there was a period there when Rex Morgan in the uh, late 1950s, early 1960s was on every newspaper's must-have list. It was that good.
0: Hmm.
2: It was by Nick Dallas, who was a doctor, and uh, written by or, or drawn by two guys, Bradley and Edgington. And uh, I looked at those strips. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is really great stuff. You know, if I can revive this strip and return it to this look, that would be awesome. So I took the gig. But then I also told Jay Kennedy, I said, hey, what I really want to do is the Phantom. And he said, well, we don't have any openings on the Phantom. I said, okay, well, if you do, let me know. A month later, I get a call. You want to do the Phantom? <laughs> <laughs> so it pays to, you know, state your mind, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. So um, are you still on the Phantom or are you done No, with I gave it up. You're, I, I yeah. thought that, but I just wanted to guarantee Verified.
2: I gave up both strips. I uh, I got out. I don't know three four years ago, something like that. So
0: then let's talk about Monster Island because I have the big um, collector's version of of the first Monster Island. And oh,
2: the the art book that that reprinted it in the art pages.
0: Um, I believe so, but I well, there's there's some finished page. I mean, most of it's. I mean, it's done, but I think. Uh, it's a hardcover. It is a cover, Yes. Kind yeah, of an oversized, yeah, that's the art book. Oversized hardcover, yeah, yeah. That, that
2: that's all shot from the original art. Oh, uh, very cool. With, with all the every, you know, it, it, it's like the artist editions uh, that uh, IDW does.
0: And it, so, well, yeah, it's a it's a gorgeous book. And the thing about it that I liked is that it's kind of like this awesome jam session where it seems like you as the artist just kind of said. You know, okay, I want to do technology. I want to do some explorers. I want to have this. I want to have that. I want to have dinosaurs, whatever, and I just want to go nuts with it. So, can you kind of tell Mm -hmm. us, like, you know, where you came up with all this and and kind of then get into the sequel, you know, because you just came out with uh, Return to Monster Island not too long ago?
2: Right. Well, the idea for Monster Island came about because uh, I was really getting disappointed with comics in 1998. At the time, my daughters were all young. And D.C., I was under contract with D.C., and they would send me copies of everything they printed. And I could not give my daughters the comics I grew up reading because they were either too violent or overly sexualized. All I could give them was, like, the, the uh, Warner Brothers stuff, the Bugs Bunny and, uh, and Batman Adventures, that yeah, kind of stuff.
1: Possibly and Archie.
2: And I thought to myself, I want to come up with a, sto- with, with, with a comic that my daughters could read, but then my friends could read, too. You know, a true all ages comic without the pejorative uh, uh, phrase that goes along with all ages. Yeah. You know, sounds pandering, you know, and, and every kid knows a kid's comic. Yeah. You know, they, and they, yeah. they, it's like kryptonite to them. They don't want to touch it. They want to feel like they're reading something that's above them. Uh-huh. And so just like old movies that touch on adult themes, but kids can watch them for other reasons. That was the, the premise of going into this, this project, was to do this thing. So I, I, I focused on things I enjoy. I, I like high adventure stories. I love monsters. And I like, uh, I like naval aviation. So I figured, well, I'll just do some Navy pilots and you know have some monsters and you know have a high adventure story uh, with a little sci-fi thrown in. And sort of send up uh, the Jack Kirby monster comics of the 50s and early 60s. And also a little bit of Roy Crane's Buzz Sawyer newspaper strip. And so that was the amalgam that came out as Monster Island.
0: Very awesome. Now, very. So, so then you did the sequel, which um, you did that through crowdfunding, correct?
2: Uh, yes. Yeah, that was uh, um, uh, Ominous Press published it, and they crowdfunded it on,
0: uh, on Kickstarter. Okay. So um, that just came out very recently? Uh, last year. Last year. That's what I thought. So where can people find um those? I Ominous Press, I assume, has copies of both still.
2: Yep. Uh Ominous Press, uh and also it's in demand on Indiegogo. So if you go to Indiegogo, uh and type in Graham Nolan's, you know, Return of Monster Island, it'll pop right up.
0: Very cool. And then the other uh aspect of your career that I want to touch on before we get into some just general broad subjects is um you did a web strip, Sunshine State. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know what if 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 somebody
2: came to me and said here's a million dollars do what you want to do I would do sunshine state
0: <laughs> It's it, it's funny I like that strip a lot and it's 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 it's, it's so personal it's fun
2: uh, it's um it, it's it, it's just it makes me smile when I, I do it yeah. you know No I, I grew up in Florida too so you know it, it helps me kind of and I don't live there now I live outside of Buffalo so um, you know, it kind of, uh, puts me back into my roots, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, man, you, quite the, uh, environmental change going from Florida to Buffalo where you're getting, <laughs> yeah. you know, massive amounts of snow and everything. So,
2: yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, my, 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 uh, latest project is an Indiegogo campaign called the Chinoo, uh, that's, that's running right now. Mm-hmm. And it's a horror story, uh, that takes place in Buffalo, uh, during a blizzard
0: (laughs) oh neat and uh so i want to touch on that so it seems like for a lot of creators they they obviously they do the the company stuff you know the the dc the marvel you know and that sort of thing but there's this drive this desire to get out on their own and tell their own stories and Mm -hmm. um the crowdfunding has been a really good model for that have you found so you've obviously found this to be true
2: oh absolutely um you know (laughs) The we go into the corporate comics because we grew up loving those characters uh, and they're the only ones that would pay a page rate. Uh But you don't own anything. Uh, And now the paradigm of publishing has shifted so that, you know, you can come up with your own ideas, own your IP and, uh, you know, do these passion projects that they aren't willing to do. You know, the Chinoo is not a series. It's, it's a one-off story. It's just a really great story. As if, you know, you watch a movie, not every movie needs to have a sequel, you know. And it's the same thing with a comic. So, you know, I came up with this – well, it was originally 48 pages, but we hit a, a, a stretch goal. So now it's 56 pages of story, and uh, it'll be a one-shot deal. And uh, I've been crowdfunding it on uh, Indiegogo, and I've raised uh, almost $47,000 for it. That's
0: fantastic. fantastic. That's fantastic. So then, um, when can folks expect to see that?
2: Uh, my my um, delivery date is is, is uh, scheduled for October. Okay, uh, I'm hoping to have everything ready so that the the books will be in their hands in October. Since we did hit that stretch goal, and I had to add eight more pages to it because <laughs> I wanted the, the publisher or the uh, the backers to you know, really get a bang for their buck. There, it could go over. But, uh, you know, over that day, but the, the thing that I do is that I will, I update my backers every week on progress. So they'll know exactly what did I get done that week for them? Yeah. Very cool. And, uh, I think that's very important to have that interconnection because they're trusting me with their money. They've put this money up and they're waiting on this thing. And let's be honest, you know, there's been a lot of people that have been burned by various crowdfunding things.
0: Well, um, definitely. But I've
2: got I've got a thirty seven year rec- track record that I've never missed a deadline.
0: Well, and so my, and my God, you know, you were you were pumping out issues. You know, when you when you were at the the corporate guys, I mean, you were consistent, like month yeah. in, month out. So month
2: in, month out. You know, sometimes uh, two different things in, a, in the same month. Yeah. You know, uh, so you know, I have the uh, uh, the discipline, the knowledge, and the skill to get it done, and you know, if, if it's running late, you'll know it. You know, I'll let you know that it is running a little late, but it's only because it's going to be better
0: when you get it. That's awesome. So, 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 Graham,
1: this is Gator, and I'm contractually obligated by Nick to ask two questions of every guest. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, one of the ones, and I mentioned this earlier when you were talking about like the kid friendly comics with Archie and things. That's, I'm showing my age here, but that's what I grew up on, you know, was the old Archie mm-hmm. comics and some of the Batman and different things like that. But, uh, you know, when I was a kid growing up in southern Illinois, it was kind of cool because we printed the comic books in Sparta, Illinois, close to where I grew up there, with the old <laughs> World Color Press, Spartan Printing. And I guess my question that I would have for you now, where are comic books now printed? Where are they being produced from?
2: Uh, I have no idea uh, where the uh, Marvel and DC, you know, uh, they've had various contracts all around for years. uh Quebecor in uh, uh, Montreal, Canada was printing uh, all, all of DC's books. Uh, I don't know that they print them up there anymore. Yeah, yeah
1: pretty, a lot of the DC books were printed in Sparta and also I think Effingham, Illinois. I'm pretty
0: sure I just read recently that I guess maybe with COVID or whatever it was that um, DC may have shifted their printing to a plant in Missouri somewhere. Oh, but I'm bro, not, good. But I'm not entirely sure what plant and where. But I, I, good. I, I do remember hearing that. So. Yeah. Anyway.
1: And then another question I have for you, or something I just wanted to mention. A good friend of mine is also a uh, artist, a comic artist, does some various strips and has done, you know, kind of transferred into doing uh, the movies and things like Despicable Me and whatnot. And I don't know if you may even know him or not, but Glenn McCoy. And Glenn and his brother Gary. Yep. They do the duplex strip and the Flying McCoys and, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're uh, um, NCS members, which I'm a member of,
1: also. Yeah, they're they're based here in uh, Belleville, Illinois, close to us, and you know, just great guys. And I have followed a lot of Glenn's work with his political cartoons and with his strips over the years, and you know, been very interested in the process of what it takes to do what you do. Very cool. So that, touching on the process, then for a minute, I know a lot of
0: artists have shifted to more of a uh, a digital. Uh, platform with their art. Are you still? Are you doing digital, or are you still doing uh, pencil and paper? You know, kind of the, the. I'm doing digital.
2: Uh, okay. I, I I went full digital on Sunshine State like two three years ago, uh, but I wasn't committed to doing comic book work because of how much more intricate it was until uh, last year when I did the, the Expendables Go to Hell graphic novel. Okay. Um, the Chuck Dixon and Sylvester Stallone. And uh, that I did entirely on
0: my iPad Pro, on uh, uh, in uh, Procreate. Really, on your iPad? Very cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. So then, let's talk about just the comics industry as a whole right now. I mean, what what. Uh, I, I if you don't want to like go into specifics, that's fine because obviously you know you're part of it. But like, what are your thoughts on the industry as it stands right now? Because you you talked a little bit about the late '90s and and why you couldn't you know give your comics to to mm-hmm. your daughter. But like, you know, what are your thoughts on the industry as it is kind of currently?
2: I think the industry is dying uh, because of the people that are in charge at Marvel and DC. Uh, they are they're uh, they've gotten away from the fan base and they're catering to a to a vocal minority and they are producing comics that are you know virtual signaling uh sjw crap uh that don't entertain they're pushing a narrative instead of entertainment and story as in the forefront you know in in, and this and, and, and these fr- these statements only apply to corporate comics Yeah. because comics as an art form is big enough for every concept, every idea. You know, but the thing is, is that they're taking already preexisting characters. They're lazy and they're changing them. Like so all of a sudden, Thor is a woman. We've got an Asian Hulk. We've got a Puerto Rican Spider-Man. And it's like, you know what? Create your own Puerto Rican character and make him interesting and own it. Don't change something because that's just pandering. You know, if you want to make a, a a comic about a transgender fire hydrant, fantastic. Go for it. But you got to own that. You got to sell that, you know, by changing uh, like when D.C. did the Golden Age Green Lantern, the first married superhero in, in history and made him gay. It's like. You you lazy bastards, you know, create a character that may be gay, but doesn't define himself that way. You know, make him an interesting person, an interesting character, just like many gay people in the world are. They have very complex lives, just like we do, just like everybody else does. You know, you don't need to change a character that's pre-existing that somebody else came up with and did all the heavy lifting on and do that just for some type of virtue signaling.
0: No, that's an interesting point, because you're right. I mean, I know Marvel has done quite a lot of uh, gender and race um, changes on a lot of their characters. You know, some both in in print, but then also in the uh, movies, and then eventually changed into the print. You know, I mean, Nick Fury is a good example of of a character who, you know, historically was was a Caucasian man who fought in World War II, and now he's being played by Samuel L. Jackson, which... Hey, fine, you know, but, but maybe to your point, maybe create a new character and, and really put that, you know, put that Disney money, put that AT&T Warner brother money behind, you know, pushing and marketing this new character to these audiences and, and, you know, prop them up, make them, make them something. If you want to do this, make them something good. And and write him interesting. I mean,
2: that's, that's where it all comes down to. When, when Stan and Jack came up with the black Panther, um, They didn't just they didn't take a pre-existing character and make him black. They created something out of whole cloth and gave him a historical background and made him an interesting character. I mean, the Black Panther was, you know, the first major black superhero. And he's an amazing character because they worked at it. Yeah. You know, and and it seems like, you know, these these artists and writers today just want to come up and they want the easy road. Uh, You know, and say, oh, look at us. Look at how woke I am. You know, look at what a great thing I did. And yet, you know, they didn't do anything other than change. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know,
0: know,
2: they're not putting their money where their mouth is and creating something out of whole cloth and and building an audience for it.
0: Interesting. No, that's a really valid point. And I know. And it's not that. and, And the sad part, to your point, is there are some interesting characters that have come out of this. I mean, you you touched on uh, Miles Morales, the the Puerto Rican Spider-Man. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's an interesting character. It's just, to your point, you know, maybe he doesn't need to be Spider-Man. Maybe he could be something else and just... Exactly. Yeah. So. Exactly. Well, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So then um, the other thing that I hear often about in comic circles is that there's a number of guys that and for lack of a better the workhorses from the the 80s and the 90s that the guys like you that could crank out comics hit deadlines and that sort of thing and we're doing really really good work and we're always mm-hmm. dependable and it seems like a number of them just aren't getting work these days is there what are is there thought do you have thoughts on that at all or is it just that I mean, in some cases, maybe some of these guys don't want to because it seems like you're doing really well, branching out, telling your own stories, doing your own thing and and living your own life. But, you know, maybe some of these guys are sitting back and they would be perfectly fine going and doing some corporate work. Is there do you have any thoughts on that at all?
2: Yeah, uh, I I think it's unfortunate, but uh, I think there's a shelf life Mm. um, because you've got new editors and stuff that are coming up that are younger. You know, like I said, I've been in it for almost 37 years and, you know, there's editors that are in their twenties, you know, and they're trying to create their own mark on books and, 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 uh, you know, uh, hitch their wagon to new stars. And I get that, you know, um, but it, it's not an all or nothing deal. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't hire a guy cause he's got a gray beard, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know because there is ageism, you know, uh, and and here's the other reality too is that when you've been around long enough, your rates are too high for them.
0: Ah, okay.
2: You know, and they're trying to cut rates and everything, and they're cutting. They're making billions on these movies, and they're cutting the rates of the creators. Interesting. And uh, so that's Interesting. another reason is that they'll hire cheaper foreign talent, uh, um, younger talent, and uh, yeah. So there, I know there's a lot of guys that you know would love to be you know doing work for Marvel and DC. Um, but, you know, there's a point where it comes where the, uh, the phone stops ringing because the editors change and, you know, you know, you're too expensive for them and all that. And so it behooves you to, you know, not tie your wagon to, uh, or put your eggs in one basket, meaning the, the, the big two, uh, because publishing has changed. And you got to take risks. Um, for me, I've always been a writer that draws and not an that writes, So, you know, I've always been someone that has been involved in the storytelling. And uh, so for me, it was a simple thing to say, hey, I'm writing my own shit. You know, I'm going to just I'm going to go off and and do my own thing. I had I had a a bunch of different properties that, you know, I had pitched to other publishers and they passed on. And I just said, well, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to crowdfund it. And, you know, like with the Chinoo, I was hoping to get 15 Thousand, which would just about cover my costs, and you know I'm closing in on forty-seven thousand. So which is
0: fantastic, fantastic.
2: Yeah, it's been a really great campaign. I still got uh, eight days left.
0: Okay, on All it. Right. I'm hoping we'll hit fifty k on it. That's great. As we as we kind of come to a close here, what advice do you have for anyone who wants to get into comics?
2: Uh, I would say you know work on your art and your storytelling. Learn to write as well. Uh, And then own your properties, you know, Uh, Marvel and DC will, you know, they, they dangle the carrot in front of you with a page rate. So you think, okay, well, you know, I've got this page rate, you know, I'm making a living, I'm a professional and I've got Marvel and DC work behind me. And that's great, you know. I say go for that, you know, build your audience that way, use them that way, because they're going to use you, and when you're when they're done with you, they're going to cast you aside. Mm-hmm. They did it to Jack Kirby, who created Marvel Comics, so you're no different, believe me.
0: Which is a horrible you're no story, Jack Kirby. It's a, and it's a horrible story,
2: I mean, yeah. <laughs> so th- it'll happen, so you need to use the, the, the fan base that you build uh, by working with those companies to eventually branch off on your own and create your own properties, because owning your IP is where it's at.
0: So where can folks find and follow you, uh, either on socials or your website or anything like that? Uh, yeah,
2: Graham, uh, grahamnolan.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, and uh, if uh, I would really appreciate it if you would check out my Indiegogo campaign for the Chinoo, which is, uh, you know, if you just type in the Chinoo on Indiegogo, it'll pop up.
0: Fantastic. Well, Graham, we really want to thank you for taking time out of your day and, uh, maybe next time we can, uh, we can talk and we can, uh, you can light up a stick with us. (laughs) Well, that sounds like a plan. I might even go do that now that (laughs) after we sign off, sit (laughs) out on the patio. There you go. And if you're ever in St. Louis for a convention or anything, definitely look us up. We're based out of St. Louis and we'd love to show you around and take you to our hangouts and, and, uh. You know, have have a cigar with you. Sounds great, man. Yeah, definitely. Hey, well, thanks again. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Gator. Well, we really appreciate Graham Nolan taking time out of his day. I that's I, a cool cat. You know, he's a, he's a nice guy. He really is, and he would not talk to me about Archie. I kept trying. Well, he didn't work on Archie. <laughs> You realize Archie's a whole separate company. Like, oh, was, I know. He worked for DC. I, mean, I know. DC doesn't own Archie. But I grew up on Archie. I get it. But
1: like, you know. I got to talk about what I know. He doesn't. Yeah, well, he doesn't. He never worked on Archie. I'll tell you. And if you and I had known each other back in the day, yeah. okay, you would have geeked out so hard when World Color Press was operating Spartan Printing down mm-hmm. in Spartan, Illinois, because one of the uh, supervisors there at the plant actually went to church with me. Oh, I could have seen. I the could have comics gotten you a behind. tour. That would have been really cool. Yeah.
0: Well, we need to figure out where they're being printed in Missouri, because I'm 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 like 99% sure I saw a news article saying the DC Comics had moved their printing uh, operation to Missouri. That's awesome. So I need to figure out where that is and like
1: stalk the place. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't think they don't have gates up because of you, fanboys. I'm sure they do. So.
0: Anyway, but he was um, a
1: cool guy. That he, was a
0: neat interview. He was, and seriously, folks, um, Graham, like a lot of these independent comic artists, they are doing the crowdfunding and they're they're asking for support. So if you're a comic book person, and, and trust me, if you're listening to this show, I know there's a number of people that follow me on Instagram that are both cigar lovers as well as comic book people. Yep. So, folks, if you're listening to the show and you're a comic book person, first of all. I would imagine you're familiar with Graham Nolan, and if you're not, you should be. And give us Indiegogo a look. I mean, it sounds like a pretty cool
1: project. I'm going to check it out. And, and I'm not a comic book nerd, and I thought it was really cool. I mean, yeah. And the whole me, crowdfunding thing.
0: And let me tell you, Monster Island is a fantastic book. I picked that up. I found out about it, and I picked that up, and I I still need to pick up the sequel, but I plan on it. And But seriously, folks, check out his Indiegogo it's it's just like boutique cigars. You have the the general and altadis cigars. Well, you have the same thing in comic books. You have the Marvel and the DC. But but we all tend to talk about the boutiques. We love the boutique cigars. Yep. There's boutique comic books out there and they're being made by really cool people. So check out some independent comic books.
1: Well, and I was really kind of taken by the fact that he wanted to do not all ages. I know he kind of, you know, said that that's really kind of you know an odd term to use the family friendly whatever but you know there was a time there that he talked about where comic books got really edgy edgy yeah very very violent which i mean it's a comic book whatever but also very sexualized mm-hmm. so which i didn't mind as much when i was 15 or 16 and now i look back on it and i'm like oh ugh. yeah yeah
0: yeah it's it's unfortunate yeah. and uh you know but see the problem is playing to the masses no well that's well now we're getting into a whole separate weird nerdy discussion Mm -hmm. but see that's the problem they're not playing to the masses they're playing to the the 40 year old 50 year old fanboys that have have grown up on uh superman and spider-man and all this and they want to see those characters stay um the same with very little difference and so they just keep telling stories and and they're adult or not and when i say adult oriented i don't mean like necessarily sex and violence but in some cases but you know it's one of those things that they're they're telling these stories and they're not allowing these characters to grow in in any sort of way and so they kind of at times become a little less interesting yeah and that's a little a, shark jumping a little bit yeah. and and it's one of those things that that's where when you get into the independent stuff
1: you can do fun projects that uh, the big guys aren't going to do. And this, this is why I don't understand why you never liked The Big Bang Theory. Because the amount of comic book references in that show should have sucked you in. Yeah, I don't know. That felt like pandering to me. It's It felt like nerd
0: pandering. Like, hey, he made ma- reference to Green Lantern. I should like this show.
1: I, I and, also and like that, Green Lantern, yeah. And that's yeah. the
0: whole thing, is that it's like just, you know...
1: You have a term for it, but I don't know if you want to say it. No. Sprinkling in some nerd references every
0: once in a while uh, doesn't mean that it's... It just doesn't...
1: But it was more than just sprinkling in. I mean, shoot, they had Stan Lee on the show for the love of God. I
0: get it, but you know what? God rest his soul, Stan Lee would go in front of a camera any time of the day or night. He was a good promoter. The man... Well, and he was in love with himself. And and there's and you and I aren't. I'm just gonna say, but what I'm saying is, just because (laughs) Stan Lee was on a show doesn't give it nerd cred right off the bat. Because again, he would have gone on the Prices Right. I mean, he who wouldn't? You get to spin the big wheel. Have you ever done that?
1: Gone to the Prices Right? No, I have not.
0: I have spun the big wheel. Bullshit! Swear to God. So in Las Vegas, they have the at the the uh, Bally's Hotel. Yeah. Um, back when I went out there for my bachelor party, they had the Price is Right stage show, all right? Mm. And it was hosted by the guy who was the host of the old Supermarket Sweep TV show back in the day. Yeah, I don't remember his name. Mark something, wasn't it? I don't know. But anyway, he was hosting the stage show, and they would pick people out of the audience, and they'd come up and play the games and all that, and I didn't get to do that. But after the show's over, you could stand in line, you could go up there, and you could spin the big wheel and get a picture taken. I spun the big wheel. That's cool. Where's the picture? It's I have it, I believe, on my personal Facebook page. You but should I'll, post I'll that. I'll dig that out, and I'll post that with the yeah. uh, pictures for this episode.
1: Oh, that's but, awesome. But
0: um, let me tell you, that big wheel, you know how you see people, and they kind of look like they're struggling to spin it? Yeah. It's heavy as F, dude. Well, you're- That wheel is heavy. You're not the strongest guy. Shut Shut up. <laughs> That wheel is heavy, man. So, no, seriously. The amount of butt hurt on your face right then was worth it. It is a heavy wheel. So, no, I
1: I get why people kind of struggle with it to uh, do that. The key is to bend down and lift up real hard and then pull down. That's when you get the momentum on your Mm -hmm, side.
0: mm -hmm. I spun it pretty good. I can't remember
1: what I hit. Are you a Bob Barker guy or a uh, Drew Carey guy? Oh,
0: Bob Barker out of the way. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, he was a little uh, chauvinistic to his... uh, Price is right, girls. But, a little? All right, more than a little. Okay. But, but you know, the point is uh, with him, yeah, let's put it this way. If Drew Carey were to punch out Adam Sandler and say the price is wrong, bitch, yeah. it wouldn't be
1: nearly as funny. No, I'll give you that. And give I don't you know that. what they did to Drew and Carey, man. What did what did Bob Barker have against animals having sex? That's what I want to know. I think he didn't. I don't
0: think it was necessarily a problem with them having sex. I think it was a matter of them having multiple babies. But they don't
1: have sex when you spay and neuter them. Oh. I don't think that's fair to the animals. They don't do the fun sex? No. Sucks to be a dog and a cat, I guess. Damn straight. Anyway. So no, they have like violent, like you know, howling and screeching sex. It's I grew up on a farm, man. It's you learn the birds and the bees quickly from the cats and the dogs. Dogs have barbs. Did you know that? Dogs? Okay. They I thought have, ducks did. No, ducks have the corkscrew penis. Oh. Ducks have like or uh dogs have barbs. And like once they lock up, yeah. You, you can't get away. It's very violent. Sounds
0: like it. Dog sex. Well, this is the kind of fun and interesting information that you hear on the cigar pulpit,
1: folks. <laughs> so. I Okay. You want fun and interesting? Okay. I have a story for you. Well, how about we wait on your story? <gasps> Let's You're te- going to make everybody
0: wait? Yeah. I teased it already. You know what at the we're going to do? You know what we're going to do now?
1: Oh. We're going to get into
0: the new and improved Ask the Boys. Okay, then. So, folks, as I always say, we need your questions. But now I've done a different thing, and I've made it even easier for you to submit your questions for Ask the Boys. So, we have... Typing wasn't easy? No. Well, apparently not. So, okay. we have the new and improved Ask the Boys featuring the Cigar Pulpit Hotline. Holy crap, live audio. So, folks, take, take down this number. It's area code 863-874-000. So it's four zeros at the end Four For those of zeros. you don't know what quadruple zero,
1: is. Zero, zero, zero. You could also say four odds. I could. Out, out, Anyway, so yeah, so if you call
0: 863-874-000, you can get it. It just goes straight to a voicemail. And when you go to the voicemail, you uh, just wait through the
1: little message. And then you just leave us a message with your question. Did you know that a zero is actually an integer? Okay. Good. Okay. I learned hey, that on uh, Here Come the 1, two threes. All right. Well, from there, uh, They Might Be Giants. There
0: you go. Now, I, I will say, I preface all of this to say, we would really appreciate it if in your message you start off by introducing yourself, saying this is, and you can use either your actual name or you can use your Instagram handle. It doesn't really matter to me which one you use, but preferably one or the other. And that way we don't butcher your name. Yeah, see how this works? Oh, yeah. So anyway, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into the first question from the Cigar Pulpit Hotline. Hi, I got a question for you. How many times does it take to get to the shutout of a Tootsie Pop for you guys? Again, I'd like to know how many licks does it take to get to the shutout of a Tootsie Pop?
1: Thank you. And who was that question from? Well, he didn't give a
0: name. Anonymous. It, this one is anonymous, and this okay. is why I would really like to have a name. So, folks, make sure you leave the name. But the question is, how many th- licks does it take for us to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop?
1: I'm an owl. I, I, I just crack into it. I take my sweet, sweet time Do you really? until I get to the good stuff. Oh, no, no, no. I crunch through it. Oh, no. I, I can't believe I didn't break more teeth as a kid. I don't have the patience. I'm making some innuendo, Jeff. Um, anyway. By the way, your Sublime is putting off a ton of smoke. It's amazing. It's just a
0: little smokestack over here. It really
1: is. Yeah, I need to adjust. Look at my ash. That is holding on. uh,
0: Your ash is holding on. You've got a nice, tight, fat ash going on there. You got that right, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Next question. Next question. Hey, Pastor. This is at the Triple B Life. My question, should I go with a classic
2: desktop humidor or one of those fancy new electric fridges like New Air? What would each of you recommend currently stashing about 300 cigars? Keep it up, guys. Peace.
0: Great question. Great question. So, oh, man. Um, here's the I'm thing. I'm old school. Here's the thing. With the um, New Air humidors, the, yeah. the, the, the Frigidor kind of things, um, There is you have to keep in mind that the temperature regulating process in there will create some humidity. Okay, so I know they talk about seasoning the drawers and all this kind of stuff and everything beforehand. Now, I'm, I'm before I get into this, I'm going to preface and say I don't own one of these. This is all stuff that I've heard. Yeah. Okay, so anecdotal evidence. Anecdotal evidence. I don't own a New Air or any sort of you know frigidor kind of thing, but they were originally all designed for holding uh, wine and with the humidor, or with the cigar humidors, they convert them over and made them into, into, you know, cigar humidors. And so, you have to keep in mind that that refrigeration process, the temperature regulation process, will create some humidity to it, okay? And so, it's possible that at times, it can be difficult to regulate the humidity in there by using Boveda Pack's or a dish of distilled water, or the beads, or something like that. If you're going to invest in one of those um, new airs, or Frigidors, or something like that, you're going to want some sort of a uh, humidity-creating process that can actually track and and measure the humidity in the air within your, your box there. So maybe look into like
1: a cigar oasis. Is that what you have? what you have one that has the app on your phone and you that's can the check that's the bodet butler okay that's the all butler. that does is just monitor the
0: the temperature and the humidity within the Ooh, box okay the cigar oasis is actually a, a system that it'll monitor the humidity of the of the container it's in and it will kick out humidity when the humidity starts getting too low or something like that okay so that's something to keep in mind is that you might you might have to invest a little bit more into a humidification system for that. The box humidors, the desktop, you know, kind of thing or something like that. Look, you know, every, no matter what with all this it takes maintenance. You're going to have to yeah. work with it. You know, with a box uh desktop humidor you know, you got to go through this whole seasoning process and and I've got a message out to Squirrel um because we've had a number of questions about humidors here lately. And I'm no expert, and so I've I've reached out to Squirrel. To we got see, a humidor guy to see if he would uh, come back on here soon. He's just a little busy at work, and so it's a matter of just figuring out a time that works. I think he his. got a new job, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah. But anyway, um, we need to just kind of figure out his schedule. But anyway, it, with the box or the desktop humidors, yeah, you got to season it. You got to get the the, the humidity up right, and then you got to maintain that humidity and the outdoor humidity and everything can, can still affect the box. And also quite frankly, it doesn't take care of the temperature issue. You got to make sure you're holding your cigars in a, in a temperature controlled environment. And so that, that the fridge type humidors, they do help with that. So I guess it's kind of one of those things you're going to have to determine how much work you want to put into it. You're going to have to put work into it no matter what. And the question is, how much work are you gonna to want to put into it, yeah, and what type of work are you gonna to want to put into it? like I said, I have nothing but desktop you know
1: standard box
0: type humidors,
1: but stock. I will say three hundred sticks, you're gonna need a pretty big desktop humidor mm-hmm. you are or multiple humidors yeah,
0: i you know for me, i like I said, I've said before, I have multiple tupper doors, the uh, the airtight watertight rubber made containers. You throw the sticks in that. You throw the Boveda pack in that, and you seal it up, and it's good. You don't get that cedar taste that no. you get from being inside of a cedar lined humidor. you could take care of that with some cedar. But yeah, you know, if you wanted to throw in some cedar spills and and or shavings, shavings or a piece or of wood, like that, yeah, you theoretically could add cedar to it. But for the most part, it's it's a it's a quick storage system. It's just not as pretty as a humidor, and it's not as pretty as, you know, one of the Frigidors. So it's, you've got a variety of options out there. I, like I said, it, no matter what, it's going to take some work. It's just a
1: matter of what kind of work
0: are you wanting to put into
1: it. Exactly. And I'm old school. I like, I like you know, a nice cedar humidor. Yeah. That's just me. But, well, you know, to each their own. Exactly. So, And our last question is
0: up on deck now.
1: Hello, Nick and Gator. This is Luke from my Six, thirty-five millimeter. Hey. First question to you guys is, Nick and Gator, do you believe in aging cigars after purchasing them? If so, why? And My final question goes go to Larry. Larry, what is your favorite book and/or movie of all times, and why did it speak to you so much? <laughs> Thanks, boys. Keep it up. Love you guys. That guy has got a great voice. He does. That's oh. being a radio guy. I'm impressed by that. Yeah. Yeah. So, he should be doing like voiceover work. So
0: that's Luke, Mysticks 35 mm, and uh, we'll touch on his first question first about aging cigars. You know, I I've heard more and more talk about aging cigars. I know um, the Cigar Authority recently did an episode where they smoked. It was a good episode um, too. You know, yeah. it was a Aladino Corojo Reserva. That they that they uh, smoked that was uh, aged for a year, and they did notice some definite differences in the flavor of it. I have some cigars that I have purchased um, coming up a year ago. I didn't store them in the same way that the Cigar Authority guys did, where they keep it in the box with the rat, the cellophane around the box and everything, and and all that. I I did. They were they. They did come out of the box and placed in the humidor. And, the, you know, quite honestly, I had every intention of smoking them at the time. It's just that they, um, they kind of got lost in the shuffle when other sticks were coming into the picture. And so I've got them. They're about a year old. And we can try and smoke them um, when we get to the year mark, Jeff, to determine if there's a difference between a current one and an and a aged one in that regard. I just don't know if my method of aging was appropriate appropriate yeah. for doing so because i didn't in, I didn't save them for a year with the intention of aging them like that, so I don't know um but I but by and large, for the most part, if I'm buying cigars, I'm buying them with the intention of smoking them in a relatively short period of
1: time. I get that and and I hate to say it, I don't age cigars, although. After listening to the Cigar Authority, giving a shout-out to our fellow podcasters there, after listening to that, I'm intrigued by it and want to kind of start doing it. I've got a couple of sticks that I've aged for over six months in my humidor, and it's just basically because they were fairly expensive sticks, and I've genuinely, like, I I want a special occasion to smoke them. Does that make sense? No, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd like to try it. Yeah. I don't have any, and, and to be honest, for me, too, Space is an issue. I don't have uh, the proper space, I think, right now for aging cigars because I do have a couple of, of desktop humidors. Going back to that question, I've got a couple desktop humidors and I've got my Tupper door. I don't know if it's going to age as well in a Tupper door, which is where right now my boxes of cigars are being stored. So I don't know if I would need some sort of larger humidor space or something like that to store it and i don't know if the cedar inside of a humidor is necessary or if maybe just being inside the cigar box is what adds that i don't i don't know so i need to do a little bit more research into it but for the most part no i don't age cigars as for the other question regarding larry the mute um, he is not here just yet. He will be here shortly. So we'll circle back, and we'll circle yeah. back on that. We'll ask Larry when he arrives, and we'll. Uh, and that was
1: his favorite
0: book or movie that spoke to him. Okay, which I thought was rather ironic. Good deal. I'm yeah, pretty, he should be here. Pretty, what five ten minutes? Pretty sure that was Luke's uh, intention. There was the the irony of the question there.
1: Ah, Get Luke, it? I see what you did yeah, there. Yeah. yeah,
0: what did it, it did it speak to him? So anyway. okay then. So, yeah, so that's uh, that's this week's Ask the Boys. Um, once again, you can now call the Cigar Pulpit Hotline at 863-874-0000 and leave us a message, and we'll be happy to play that and answer it on the show. And by the way, for the record, um, Travis, there was no screening of these questions. I had no idea what the questions were, because when I announced the hotline, Travis Seibert said that we shouldn't uh, – Screen the questions. We should just play them as they come.
1: Fair enough. So We'll I take just, all comers. I just want that for the record there, Travis. Darn right. So,
0: so what are you getting on the uh, cigar there,
1: Jeff? You know what? I really like this cigar. It's, it's, a, it's a little higher price point than I would normally do, but I wanted to do something special for you, Nick, because I care, as I said earlier. Um, this is a good stick. It's a really good cigar. What do you think? I'm liking it. It's got a little pepper, although the pepper has started to
0: subside. You get that little woodsy flavor and everything like we talked about earlier. Yeah. There's a little, that, that sweetness. That you never you, got the coffee, I ne- you? No, I never did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'll say maybe, I, I, I was just about to say maybe a little chocolatey flavor. So it could maybe. be that maybe, that maybe you're translating it as coffee. Maybe I'm
1: kind of translating maybe. it as, uh, as chocolatey. So, um, you want to give we're, we're part of the way through here. You want to give it a, uh, hail. uh, this thing was peppery on the first one. I'm going to give it a shot. Oh my. It's still peppery, but I don't think it's quite as harsh as the first one.
0: <laughs> no, not quite as bad, but there is the pepper there still. Yeah. Still enough to kind of just, you know, light cough on my it's, part. A, it's on. a
1: little darker stick than I would normally go for, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not bad. So. What's that? You want to hear my story? Yeah. Why don't we get into your story? Okay. I've been dying to tell you this. I know. I know. Since I remembered it the other day. A friend of mine, we'll call her Kessica. Oh, God. You know, we've got to protect the innocent here. Um, So, Kessica brought up a point to me. Um, she She was talking about a mutual friend of ours. That had recently purchased a building somewhere. I won't say where. Don't want to go into that. But it was an old Odd Fellows lodge. Have you ever heard of the Odd Fellows? No. Okay. So it's an old Odd Fellows lodge. And we may even have some Odd Fellows that are listening to the podcast and they're all screaming at me right now not to talk about, you know, it's kind of like Fight Club. You, Odd Fellows don't talk about Odd Fellows. So when I was maybe you know, 16 years old, I was working at the radio station in Ava, Illinois. Okay. And the radio station in Ava, Illinois, it was a southern gospel station. That's where I started my career, my in getting into you know, radio and journalism and all that. And one of the little tricks that I learned early on from some of the people there is if you wanted to make a little extra money, because back in the day, I mean, it was paying, I think my minimum wage starting out was like $3.65 oh my. an hour. Yeah. So to make a little extra money... Um, we would write up stories for the Associated Press okay. and put them out on the newswire. And if your story ran, I want to say you got somewhere between three and five dollars per story that ran, and you'd get a check every month, three months, whatever it was back then. Okay. And so I would write up stories, you know, that were interesting, localized. I'd put them out on the wire. Well, I got a call one night from a listener. And they said, uh, have you heard what's going on in Ava? And the station was located in Little Ava, Illinois. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. They said they found a body in a building. I'm like, holy crap. So I, you know, being the the news-minded person that I was Uh at 16, I go driving up to Ava. And because we were on the outskirts, we were kind of out of town. And I drive around and I drive around. And I finally find the police chief at the convenience store. And I pull in. And his name was Jerry Nellis, just great guy, you know, just salt of the earth. Yeah. And I pull in, I go into the convenience store, I said, hey, Jerry, I said, I got a call, I'm hearing that you guys found a body. And he goes, oh, God. And I'm like, okay, so there's something to it. And he said, well, you might as well come with me. And I said, come with you? And he goes, yeah, get get in the car, follow me up there. So we drive up and we get to the Oddfellows building that had recently been sold in Ava. Okay. So we meet another deputy there and another guy, and the four of us proceed to go up this ginormous flight of stairs into the upper, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was a third story or just a really high ceilinged second story of this building. We go up this huge, humongous flight of stairs, and we go into this room, and they move this little altar thing that they had, and they open the floor. There's a trap door, and there's a coffin in the floor. I'm 16, mind you. Okay. And I'm freaking out. Well, yeah, this is
0: how vampires are found.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So they pick it up, they open it up, and it is a full skeleton. Oh, my god! Now, I hate to say this, and I should have put in the man hours and done the research on this, because there are news clips from this. The County Journal ended up doing a story on it, too, um, in addition to my story that went out on the Newswire. Yeah. But... The, the body was all connected together. It was like a cadaver skeleton like you would find in, like, me- a medical school or okay. a doctor's office. yeah. So there's this just random skeleton in the floor hidden in this building. Okay. So Jerry said, well, you know, grab a corner. And I said, why? And he goes, oh, yeah, you're here. You're helping us. We're carrying this out. The four of us carried this coffin at a, 1 in the morning in Ava, Illinois, down that flight of stairs. And put it in the back of one of, I guess it was one of the uh, deputies or it was the other guy that was there. I do not He may have worked for the city. But uh, we put it in the back of their truck. And they take it out because they're afraid now that word is getting out. People yeah. are going to find it. So they decided to take it and lock it up. So the four of us carried this coffin down these old, rickety, ginormous stairs, you know, set of stairs. Yeah. At 1 o'clock in the morning. in I am just freaked out. So I write my story, I put it out on the AP wire, it goes out, you know, and other stations then pick it up and do the story. The County Journal, the newspaper that I actually worked for later in my career, um, does a story about it. And the city decides they're going to donate this this uh, uh, skeleton to Trico High School. And okay. I, I hate to say, I don't remember if it was male or female, but Trico had one or the other, and this was the opposite. And they decided that they they had this whole elaborate thing, the science teacher there, was going to put together, uh, Mrs. Riley, by the way, was going to put together a marriage for the two skeletons. Oh, my. And they had this whole elaborate thing and they were going to do this wedding for the skeletons, you know, just something something cutesy something, to do, yeah. you know. And the Odd Fellows from either Percy or Steelville, uh, another chapter, reaches out to the city of Avon and says, Not so fast. That's our skeleton. Give it back. And they had to cough the skeleton back up to the Odd Fellows. Really? Yeah. And I'd forgotten all about that until Kessica uh, brought up that to me the other night on the phone that, you know, our mutual friend had bought a uh, Oddfellows building. And the first thing out of my mouth was, did they find the skeleton? And she's like, what are you talking about? And she looked it up. And I even sent you a link to this that night when this, when this story all came back, flooding back into my memory. Uh-huh. And apparently this is a thing that happens a lot. Because the the guys get older and die off, and people forget that the skeleton's there, and all of these construction companies are buying these buildings and rehabbing them or tearing them down and keeping the wood, you know, and repurposing. So, and they find these skeletons all over the country.
0: Why are there skeletons in these buildings? They use it in their rituals. Okay, I'm 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 I need trying more, to wrap your head I need around more this. details than that, Jeff. I, I sent mean, like, you the link. I didn't read it. <laughs>
1: The link goes into detail. It was
0: very late, and I did not want to read an article about finding skeletons randomly in buildings.
1: because I Right then, before you go to bed? Yeah, right? You know? <laughs> so anyway, what, what, what are they doing? They they Nobody knows, other than them, exactly are what they they're for. Are
0: they people, or are they fake skeletons?
1: No, they're, they're real. They're like legit, legit dead people. Yes. I didn't even know you could buy a real skeleton, but apparently the Oddfellows have found a...
0: So they're buying skeletons? Yes. They're not like members that pass away, and they just say,
1: "Yeah, I'll be the guy in the floor, maybe, but you said it was all a- attached, yeah, it was all wired up, like you could so you could had... hold it up by the skull, and the whole skeleton would be intact,
0: okay, so it's not like it was like somebody who died, and the skeleton it wasn't was just all a box of bones, left.
1: it was a full on skeleton yeah, I mean, of a
0: person because obviously when you pass away and you eventually melt away. You know, and down to your
1: skeleton. I mean, all the connective tissue goes away, and so your bones are just yeah.
0: separated from one another. It was
1: like old school when I was a kid, and you'd go to the doctor's office, and they literally had a skeleton hanging in With the like corner. With, fish
0: wire or something yeah, like that. That's yeah, that's exactly
1: what it was. Okay, so there
0: was some work put into the skeleton before it was placed in a coffin oh, and great. then placed
1: into the floor. Yeah, because they would get it out and use it in their ceremonies. Wow. So if there's any odd fellows out there that won't get struck down for telling us, I'd love to know what you do with these Hell, things. I don't know if I want to hear just because, like, I do. you know, I, I'm afraid that
0: if once we hear, then we have to die kind of thing. It, it may, I may, it may end up be being one the, of those situations. I may end up being the next skeleton in the floor, you know? Right. You never know.
1: Yeah. But apparently, this is a known thing, and if you if you guys out there listening, research it, just Google it uh odd fellows skeletons and there are multiple stories that will come up about these things being found all over the country okay pretty cool right i mean it's different i'd completely forgotten that until the mention of an odd fellows building being bought okay yeah well there we go that was my story
0: all right well um it's time that we go ahead and switch it on over to our friend larry the mute oh he's
1: got here okay he
0: got here during your story so Anyway, Larry is going to be reviewing another um Oh, hi Larry. There you are. Selection from White Owl. He's going to be smoking the White Owl Blackberry Mojito. Smoked it? No, you haven't. I swear to god. Dude. I'm telling you, I telling I Why smoke... am I having Larry come and do these reviews? At this point, you could like give reviews of all these
1: like cheap gas station cigars. But I these don't are 2 want for to.
0: 2 for 99 cents, by the way. But I
1: don't want to. Yeah, it's a cheap smoke. <laughs> I still say I'm the only guy that actually smokes them with the tobacco besides Larry. Probably. Yeah, probably.
0: So, anyway, uh, we're going to hand it on over to Larry the Mute for the review of the White Owl Blackberry Mojito.
1: (sighs) I just don't understand. What?
0: What the hell, man?
1: Larry, I love you. Are you, you ever
0: but... going to let him finish a review? You give him, like, maybe 10 seconds at most, and then you're just, like, immediately cutting him off. It's it's so he, stupid. He and, puts in a and, lot of time. And relatively offensive. <laughs> he puts in a lot of time. I mean, I love you, Larry. Quite honestly, I mean, he's probably spent, like, 20 bucks doing these reviews now. For us. So <laughs> 20 whole dollars. You know, that's what I'm saying. He's, he's investing, like, you know. In a year. Legit money into this. So, I mean... You could be buying him as cigars if you're gonna like shit all over him. Every they taste time.
1: like blackberry there.
0: <sighs> anyway. Well, Larry, once again, your review was dismissed uh, unceremoniously by it's Jeff. It's not that I so. don't like
1: him. I don't it's not that, Larry. It really isn't. I mean, dude, he's kinda it's, looking pissed. It's a flippant audio podcast. Dude, Why do you not get that? He looks pissed at you. <sighs> Ask him his question. He has a... There's a question oh, on the yes, table. yes, yes.
0: So, Larry, the question uh, from the Ask the Boys segment before you got here was, um, what book or movie did you uh, enjoy
1: that spoke to you? See, Jeff? Is it a book or... A, I don't even know if it's a book or a movie. Silence of the Lambs. How How did you get that?
0: Because, I mean... He said it. (laughs) Where do
1: they get us on the socials?
0: Anyway, yes, you could find us on the socials on Instagram at The Cigar Pulpit, as well as at Naked Gator, N-E-K-K-I-D Gator. It's my page. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and CigarPulpit.com.
1: I'm still in flipping uh, Instagram jail.
0: You are. I'm having a post for you. I
1: have no idea what I did. I don't
0: know. It's really weird. You can like post pictures but no captions. Yeah. And what else? Occasionally
1: I, I, I can like a message somebody sends me but not always. Can you re- it's really jacked up. Can you respond to direct messages? No. So, I can't I can't follow people back. So I can't respond to I have to, to go direct...
0: in and respond to direct messages. Oh yeah, for I can't you. do it. You know, if you got a new phone your IP address would change and then you could probably get back into Instagram. The truth. You need a new phone anyway. In like the worst
1: possible way. Oh, I shattered it some more on a jeep ride this weekend. Yeah, you really yeah. need to get a new phone. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, coming up on the show um, next, uh, the next episode, um, it's a little up in the air. We're we're kind of playing around here. Um, normally, it would be the my monthly cigars unboxing for the month of July. It's
1: so early in the month. It yeah. is
0: very early in the month. So and there is we some have five question weeks as to this whether month. or not we're going to get yeah. it in time. And so, and because we have five Fridays in July, we are going to be um, circling up with Nick Gervais from My Monthly Cigars on the July 10th episode. More than likely, most of you My Monthly Cigar subscribers uh, will have received your boxes before that episode. So, if you do want to smoke along with us and kind of get the
1: heck, wait and open and them with us.
0: Wait and open yeah. them with us on July 10th and smoke along with us then. But uh, for for Friday the third, it is a little up in the air right now. I have an idea. I'm just waiting to hear back from somebody to see if they're going to be able to join us or not. If It'd be they, neat if we could do like kind of a Fourth of July episode. It would be nice yeah, if they cool. can join us. That it's was gonna hint, be folks. if they if they can join us. It's going to be wonderful. If they can't join us, we're still going to smoke that cigar. But it would be significantly better if we had the guest along with us. Truth. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Preach but it, brother. Anyway. Well there you go. Yeah. So and speaking of my monthly cigars, they are a premium cigar subscription they service are. where you can get cigars sent to your door every month. He has a variety of different sizes for all budgets. We get the Robusto box, which is four cigars for thirty dollars. And they also have the Presidente box, which is eight cigars for fifty dollars. It's two of everything that's in the Robusto box, so it's good for sharing with like your dad or your brother or a friend or something like that and the robusto and presidente box both come with the MSRP guarantee which states that the value of the cigars within the box is guaranteed to meet or exceed the price of the box so for example in june i think it was what a $42 value in yep. a $32 or $30 box um, when you go to the Presidente box, now all of a sudden it's an $84 value uh, in a $50 box. So you're saving $34 versus oh. even $12. So you're, you're saving, saving more. Saving even more money with the Presidente box. So um, with My Monthly Cigars. And you can hoard them. Yes, you can hoard yeah. them. You're a little late on that there, Jeff. But I held off. I figured. Wanted to mix it up. So with uh, My Monthly Cigars, when you head on over there, use offer code PULPIT, P U L P I T. That gets you free shipping on your first subscription box or 20% off the items in the online store.
1: Well, and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about our partnership that we have formed up, not only with uh, My Monthly, but also also with Martinez Cigars. That would be the Collective Smoke. Yep. And so basically,
0: uh, for those of you who didn't see the live announcement, you can go back, check that out on the Down to the Nub uh, YouTube page. But the long and short of it is there's four four podcasts. It's uh, us, the Straight Cut, Down to the Nub, and the Good Cigar. And basically, we're just kind of combining forces to promote some really cool stuff in the industry. And we have partnered uh, initially with both My Monthly Cigars and Martinez Cigars. Yep. And we're doing a lot of different contests leading up to a really big big contest that's going to happen this fall that i can't get into but let me tell you folks you guys are going to love this contest it is going to be it's going to be
1: way cool really really cool
0: but in the meantime there are a variety of other contests going on the first contest is by my monthly cigars and martinez cigars that started on friday june 26th so make sure you head on over to my monthly cigars or Martinez Cigars' Instagram pages. Check out the contest rules and everything like that and get yourself entered into that. The next contest will start on Friday, July 10th, and that will be one that you and I will be hosting, Jeff. Giddy up. Yep. And then after that, there will be more contests that start up, and each week there will be a different contest hosted by a different podcast, all leading up to the big contest this fall. There you go. So lots of opportunities to win some really cool stuff.
1: And you just need and some, to... And uh, some, some neat items. I mean, seriously, cool cigars. Very cool cigars.
0: So anyway, so yeah, so we got that going on. Very cool. So what are you getting on the uh, the stick here, Jeff? This is the Crown's Heads
1: Court Reserve 18. I'm smoking one of only 150,000 cigars made, and you have another one of those. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. two of those. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good stick. It's uh it's getting a little more peppery in the back end. Yeah, the back side is definitely picking up on the pepper. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if I'm going to do another retro hail.
0: I mean, I think you kind of have to, Jeff.
1: Okay, well you got to do it with me. Oh god, this is your thing. I mean, you
0: you you do the retro hails.
1: Oh my god. Oh my god, Nick, it's going to kill you. <laughs> oh, I warned you. Wow. Yeah, that is a pepper bomb. Oh
0: my gosh. So yeah, so okay, folks. This is a complex stick. So the yeah. pepper was oh man, really high on the uh the get go on the, the get go. Then Whoa. at about the halfway point we did that retro hail and the pepper had subsided, subsided yeah. a little bit. But let me tell you, man, it comes back with a vengeance in this oh final my third of this god cigar. Definitely. Yeah, really I might
1: vengeance. have to take a eight count. Wow. (laughs) It's still there. It's still burning. Speaking of
0: Final Third Cigar, head over to FinalThirdCigar.com for the best cigar reviews by our friend, Broccoli
1: Rob. (laughs) There you go, buddy. It's a free plug. Anyway. Hey, it's kind of like crack. You know, the first one's always free. Exactly. Yeah. We got to get you hooked. Well,
0: you know, he's got those... uh, the hookups with a couple of different cigar manufacturers, and he can feel free to start sending cigars over to us as much as he wants. Oh, we're not proud. We'll take them. We will always take it. Hell, that's yes. how we got
1: hooked up with Martinez was, you know, the offer of free cigars. That's right. We will take cigars. They said, They said, will you try them out on the podcast? And we said, absolutely, mm-hmm. and loved them. One other thing I want to mention, just, just so everybody's still in the loop, is our, our cigar tobacco is in. It is in. And they are starting to formulate blends for us to try. Yep. We're gonna do that on the show, if I'm not mistaken. That is the plan. Yep. Is when we get the first test
0: blend in, uh, whenever Dave gets us that. Um, a, I mean, I have every expectation they're gonna be very, very special. And when they come in, yes, we're gonna just sm- like us. We're gonna smoke the test blend on the show and give that a try. So you can smoke the test and, and we're gonna test do gator. We're gonna do flavor notes,
1: you know, on the cigars and. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm so excited about this. I can't this. wait for yeah. you to do a cold retro on the cigar, uh, the Gator cigar.
0: I cannot wait for you to do that. Okay. Just because I think it's going to be just one of those things.
1: Do you have inside info?
0: It'll be a... Va- it'll, you do. It'll be a you son wonderful of a
1: bitch. moment for you. Oh, my God. So... Did they put tea berry gum in it?
0: They did not put tea berry <laughs> gum in it, but... It might be the next best thing.
1: I miss t berry gum. I know you do. God, I love that gum. Anyway, anyway,
0: well, folks, unless uh, Jeff has anything else for the betterment of the cause, oh, I'm you know what? What we do have something for oh the betterment of the God. cause. Oh How my could God, we you have almost forgot. We almost
1: forgot we got a winner.
0: We do have a winner, and we almost forgot. So, folks, I can And it's also
1: a Martinez prize pack. It it's is. the Martinez hour here on the Cigar Yeah. Pulp. So, so, folks, we uh, every week we do the uh, Martinez Cigars weekly
0: giveaway, where we give away a sample pack of Martinez cigars. And these are good sticks, and guys. And you yeah. can sign up for our c- uh, newsletter list. Which on, was going to be
1: monthly, and now it's yearly. It's
0: whenever I get around to it. Yeah. So, So, if you go to CigarPulpit.com, sign up for our free email newsletter list and that's how you get entered to win cigars weekly. And so our our you know winner this week Winner winner chicken dinner. Winner winner chicken dinner is um let's spin the wheel here. Our winner this week is Boy, I wonder if I know this guy. Daniel Kelly? Boy, I I know a Dan Kelly. Is I that just, the Dan Kelly that used to work at the News Democrat, maybe? I don't maybe? know if that's the Dan Kelly that works. Well, the, Daniel Kelly. Well, Daniel Kelly. Daniel Kelly, you have just won some Martinez cigars. All you have to do is reach out to me by Monday of next week. Shoot me an email at nick at com and just tell us um, your mailing address and I will get these cigars Sent out to you right away so that you can start enjoying some Martinez cigars.
1: You will thank us.
0: And if you are the Deli- Dan Kelly that I know, include that in the message, too. Absolutely.
1: Uh, I miss you, brother. I was going to say,
0: you're a decent guy. I'd like to <laughs> circle up
1: with you if that's the case. But. If it's another Dan Kelly, I'm sure he's decent, I'm too. sure he is a yeah. very nice man, but, you know, it's
0: just not the Dan Kelly I know. But yeah. if you're the Dan Kelly I know,
1: say hi. Please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway... Well, Jeff. Now that we've gotten all the business out of the I way, I think
1: we have done all the business. Is, is this all the business now? I'm pretty sure. I wanted to tell my story. I've been wanting to tell you that story for a week, and I, you got to give me credit. I've sat on that. You did sit on that because I didn't. I wanted your reaction to it. I mean, well, you always talk about dealing with
0: bodies and stuff like oh, that. yeah, and I like how the one time you actually did, you, you it got, escaped you my got, mind. You got freaked out and it escaped your mind.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I was 16. I mean, I'm getting old, dude. That was a that was, oh, my God, that was, holy crap, that was 34 years ago.
0: Coming up 35. It's, uh, fuck.
1: <laughs> well, you this has what? been another Boy, that's edition a, of the
0: Cigar Pulpit. A fun thing. We ought to have the,
1: the, the Naked Gator 51st birthday special. The bash. <laughs> the herf, The 51st <laughs> birthday herf. Ah, I love it. Oh, my God. I love it
0: so much. Anyway, yes, this has been another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. Hallelujah. I'm Nick.
1: I'm Gator, and uh,
0: oh wait! Before we completely sign oh off, oh my God, there's more final thoughts on the cigar.
1: Oh, it, dude, it's a good stick. I'm not going to do another retro hail. That hurt.
0: Well, no, I'm not asking for that. Oh my but, like, God, we gave some notes, but like you know, so final notes on the cigar. You like it? It's it? a
1: good cigar. It's got more spicy at the end. Um, but it it like I said, I wanted. I picked this one out for us on purpose because it was a unique Ow. limited edition. I just watched Nick set himself on fire. I just
0: ashed on myself and it fell and (laughs) (laughs) hit
1: my leg. The crotch, let's be honest. Hot ash in the crotch. Yeah. It's just uh, woof. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. God, I'm so glad we didn't end the show before that. (laughs) (laughs) And this is one of those moments where I really wish we were doing the YouTube videos Uh, because people needed to see what just happened. Well, I mean, they would have seen me jump. They wouldn't have seen much else. Oh, my God. Anyway, so. Yeah, Nick just burned his left nut with a cigar ash.
0: It's a a good cigar. It's got some flavor to it. It's definitely got some pepper going on in the back third. The the final third is just almost straight pepper. It is a very, Um,
1: very complex
0: stick. Yeah, the pepper was there initially. It subsided, but it's definitely back hard. And um, no, but it's a good stick. I like it. So I'll give you that. There you go. So there's the final thing. Okay. So now, so now,
1: now are we done? Now
0: we're done. So this has been another sermon from
1: the cigar pulpit. I'm Nick. Stay smoky. Is that what they should do? They should stay safe and stay smoky. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. The views and opinions of the hosts of The Cigar Pulpit do not necessarily reflect those of the advertisers and sponsors of The Cigar Pulpit.